Well, good morning, sunrise. Welcome to worship on this beautiful spring-ish day. It's a little chilly outside, but it's going to get warm this week. I hear we're going to get 80 on Tuesday. Yes, I'm ready for it. Anyway, welcome to Sunrise. Um, welcome to you guys who uh, uh, may be visiting for the first time here at Sunrise in the Sanctuary, or if you may be checking us out for the first time online, welcome to you guys. For those of all of you in the service, including guests, you can scan that QR code on the chair in front of you. That'll bring you to our announcement page. But also for our guests, you, there'll be a form you guys can click on at the top of that and fill out some couple of questions we have for you. You can ask some questions of us. And if you fill that out and give us some information, we'd love to send you a gift later this week just for saying thanks for hanging out with us today. And for you guys online, um, there'll be a link that'll be posted. You guys can click on that and that'll bring you to the same exact spot. Um, as we get started today, I'd love to read, usually I read from Psalms because that's a wonderful, um, I guess, psalm book that's been uh, through thousands of generations of the church the, um, where we read the songs of the psalms um, that have been sung and spoken for years and years. But I want to change that a little bit and read from Exodus, a verse from that will be, that'll be our call to worship today. So hear this from Exodus 15. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. So I want you guys stand with me as we exalt, as we praise our God who is worthy of praise today. Let's sing. Victory won, 
promises. You turn shame into glory. You're the Testify this morning. Sing it again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. You turn grace into garden. highways you're the only one who can you turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies you turn seas into highways you're the only one who can you're the So will I 
that you never leave the one behind. No matter what we may have in our heads right now, the the past, when we sing that line, as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. God, may that help us. This morning, just to relax our shoulders, to take a breath and relax whatever we may have brought in this morning to weighing, weighing us down, the, the thoughts of anything. We thank you that you lift those off of us, Jesus. And know what, no matter what our story may be this morning, know that when you speak, those failures just disappear. They're erased. And Jesus, when you died to set us free, you washed us clean from your sin, from our sins. And God, now you see us pure and clean through Jesus. So those failures are no longer. We don't have to care about them or think about them any longer. We are made whole in you, Jesus. Thank you for that promise, God. We can rest in that. Not have to feel like we need to work or strive or perform for your love, but you give it so freely. It is the reason why we sing and we praise and we worship you today, God. You are good. You are kind. God, we give all these things to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you guys take a seat? Um, 
So I am Dan, the worship director here, but I have a couple of announcements to bring to your attention as well today before we keep going on in the service. Um, we have these once a month. Um, sometimes it takes a little break, but we are bringing these back in May. Wine and theology and pub theology. Wine and theology, obviously, for the women. Um, women, you get, it's just a wonderful time to get out, to gather with other godly women, to hang out and... Um, to spend some time talking about some theological things, some godly things, and just whatever. But just hanging out together, not the stress of life, not the family, little kids running around, but just hanging out with other women around a campfire. This will be at the Fisher's house. Um, the address and all that information is on the QR code. You can scan um, up in front of you, and the announcements are all there. Also, Pub Theology um, is the next day, May 11th also at the Fisher's house for the men, just kind of come and hang out as well. Again, talking about some theological things or just kind of whatever happens to come into our minds, and we just hang out and chat. It's a wonderful time, so take a look at that as well. Um, Lastly, um, the staff is putting together a summer stuff calendar. We haven't coined a name for it yet, but it's a calendar of events that we're putting together for this summer. It'll come out next month, and it'll just have all the sorts of things that we're planning on for this summer. We're we're planning another summer camp out, so that'll be on there. Um, some play dates for the kiddos will be traveling amongst the different uh, playgrounds throughout Jenison and Hudsonville. That'll be on there. And some other fun things we have planned as well. But if you are, um, have something mulling around in your mind that you would love to host or do this summer and invite some other um, Sunrise people as well, just give us a chat. Shout us an, or shoot us an email at info at sunrisemen.org, and we'd love to work with you and get that coordinated and get that on our summer calendar as well. That's the end of my announcements. Um, I would like to invite Dawn and her friends Brittany and Brandy up. They're going to give us a little update on Single Parent Missions. Single Parent Missions is one of our missional partners, and um, Dawn Vanderwerf is the director of it. So come on up, ladies, and Dawn, um, we'll start things off with an update, and then we'll hear a little bit more. So Dawn, take it away. Let me demask here. Okay, thanks, Dan. So for those of you who don't know or are new, um, Single Parent Missions is one of the ministries that Sunrise supports here as a church. And so what we do, um, actually let me start with a verse because it's kind of core to what we do. Uh, the verse is actually James one twenty seven, and it says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their distress and to keep ourselves uncorrupted from the world. And our mission statement is raising up single-parent families to transform generations. And that raising up is partly discipleship, but it's also um, raising them up from places of distress, of poverty, of, of places of just being in struggle just simply because they're a single-parent household. And I don't know if you know statistics, but the average two-parent household income is about $85,000. And the average single-parent household hovers somewhere around under $25,000. And so in a community like this, you can imagine, you know, if you're in the two-parent household family, there's, it's still a struggle sometimes. So imagine what a single parent deals with in addition to all the other stresses that they have to deal with. So um, what I want to share today is a couple things we do as a ministry especially this year, we've shifted. We used to do single-parent church here at Sunrise, which was a bigger gathering. But with COVID and everything, we shifted this year, and we started doing, um, we actually partnered with Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace to start offering uh, financial peace classes 
specifically for single parents. So the only people in the classes are single parents, and we kind of are, are directing, are, are teaching specifically to help them in their situations. Uh, we also are doing some small, we did some small groups, just like with the women on other, other book studies. We've done Captivating, and we did a, a book called Love Junkies, which is kind of more relationship, relational stuff with God. So both of these ladies that are sitting right here are new to our ministry this year. And so I want you to get to know them a little bit. So I'm just going to ask them a couple questions. And I'll probably start with Brandy, and we'll kind of ask her the couple questions, and then we'll start over with Brittany so you can kind of hear their whole story all in one piece. Does that sound good? Okay. So, Brandy, um, just if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your background or how you came to be a single mom. Oh, hi. Good morning. Um, let's see. I am a mom of five beautifully designed children. Um, they age um, 19 down to 10. Um, I have been divorced now eight years. Um, I became a single parent because the relationship I had was abusive in every aspect possible, um, emotional, mental, towards the kids and I, um, physically, sexually, towards myself, um, spiritually, used the Bible versus against us in so many different ways. Um, in... 2013, the beginning of 2013, I had um, helped another, um, she was a married lady. Um, We put together a fashion show, um, 5K run and motorcycle ride um, to raise awareness against teen dating violence. And the day of the amazing activities we put together, um, my now ex-husband was not there to support me the way he needed to be. I was wearing a dress for the first time in years and he couldn't even tell me that I looked beautiful and that was, that was hard for me. Um, that night when we got home, he abused me in a way that was just unspeakable. And I knew at that point that everything I had um, worked to raise awareness against was exactly what I was dealing with in my marriage. And um, not just as a teen, but as an adult, I was dealing with those things. And I didn't want my kids growing up in that life anymore. And so I took the step to walk out and... It's um, a long time coming, <laughs> but um, we did it. We, we moved out, and we, we were with my mom and dad for about six months, and then we, uh, we had our own place, and we've had our own place ever since. So, Okay, thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm just going to kind of ask the next two questions together since you'll have the microphone. But just how and when did you find out about single parent missions, and then um, maybe what has been the most significant way that God has um, changed you or just impacted you through our ministry? So COVID hit, and I realized my life didn't change very much because <laughs> I didn't go out and do anything. I didn't um, have friends to speak of. I didn't involve myself in groups or classes. And um, I really felt like he was taking this time to tell me that I needed to get out there and I needed to meet new people. I needed to experience new things because eventually the kids will be gone and I will know nothing except what I have in my household. So I started Googling single parent groups and came up on Dawn's and I messaged probably three or four different people and Dawn was the only one that got back to me and that to me was where God wanted me to be. So uh, September 6th of 2020, I reached out to Dawn and um, she told me about the captivating book that um, they were going to be going into and um, kind of what it was about. And I thought, this is exactly what I need. So throughout the course of the book uh, and the chapters, 
I realized how beautiful I was and how much God adored me for who I was and where I was at. And I hadn't felt that in years. I've had an opportunity since September to forgive those things that I thought I had forgiven because I pushed them under a rug. Um, I have grown stronger in my fight for my children. I am more of an intentional prayer now than what I was before. I feel like the things I've learned through Dawn and Angie and all the other ladies that I've met through this group um, have made me a stronger parent. I can do this on my own. I don't have to have somebody else there with me. God has made me strong enough to handle this. And I would not have believed it. I would not have experienced his love on our lives if it wasn't for Dawn's group and this book and the support system I have through all the beautiful ladies I get to hang out with. Um, Through this group, I've also joined Dave Ramsey, which has set me in a financial position I never thought I'd be in. We're rocking it (laughs) debt-free. And, um, and uh, because of that, I've also been able to sponsor two boys from Mexico. So that's something that's always been on my heart, and now I get to. So my kids are sponsor children, <laughs> sponsor siblings. And um, God has opened so many doors, and he's closed so many doors um, that I didn't even know needed to be closed. And it was all because Dawn opened her door to me. Dawn opened her home to me um, and just shared with me what God thought about me as a mom, as a woman, as an individual. Um, We need to hear that. We need to know we're doing good. We need to know that we're beautiful. Because a lot of us carry the weight of past hurts, past conversations, past words. And we hold on to those because that's all we've been given. So I'm thankful for those that came in and crushed those words because they needed to be crushed. And because those things were crushed, my kids get a new mom. They get a a faith-filled mom, and I get to show them what it's like to be strong, and I'm thankful for those moments. And you just said that beautifully, and I just want to tell you, like, how proud I am of you. I've, I've sat down with you, we looked at your budget, we went over everything, and you're like, you are doing a great job. You're being a great mom. You're stewarding your money. You're giving to the church. Like you're literally just, you're amazing. So, and it's been, it's really been awesome getting to know you and see God move in your life in this last, last year and season. So thanks for sharing. (laughs) We, we have, we have a lot of tears together all the time. So this is really normal. Um, yeah. So Brittany, you are next. And um, if you don't mind, just share with us a little bit of your background and how you became a single mom. Well, good morning, everyone. It's my pleasure to be here and get to experience this with all of you, share a little bit of myself, and open up to a really vulnerable space. Um, uh, I became a mom really young. I was 16 when I had my son, who is now 17. <laughs> so um, I married his dad right away when I was pregnant because I thought that's what you did. My parents didn't. And I thought that that's where they went wrong. And if I just married him, then that would make it all better. 
I struggled through that marriage from 16 to 24. It produced two beautiful kids. Um, uh, Finally, at 24, through many different domestic violence calls, we were in court. And a judge said, either you go to safe haven with with your kids or you leave without them. So I chose that day to take my kids and leave my marriage. And uh, Safe Haven helped us extremely and got us a place to live and made me feel um, uh, more empowered. But uh, I lived really lonely through the following years. Um, It wasn't until I accidentally got pregnant with my little guy, um, who's two now, that I started to fall on faith. And um, I opened myself to a church that um, has became a great support system in my life. Um, I then tried to um, figure out what was the next steps in life to um, better things for me and the kids. So um, could you tell us, too, like how you came to find our ministry and even how Sunrays played the role in that? <laughs> and then also, um, just how, how was this ministry impacted you or your family? Um, so I actually, we just moved to Jenison last fall. Um, my kids go to Jenison Junior High, and um, the parent, Leila Zone, hooked me up with your hygiene pantry that I very much so appreciate for that. Um, it's the third Wednesday, so um, I followed your Facebook page to just be reminded that that was there for us, and through your Facebook, I noticed that um, Don was uh, starting the financial ministry, or the financial Dave Ramsey class, and it really triggered me because my son, who, like I had mentioned before, is 17 and had been asking things like about credit and, and about what to do with college and things, and I had no, no answers or no, um, no way to guide him, and I felt kind of stuck so that first call, you know, with Don, and she was like, oh, I think that you're, you're right where you need to be. And this class has blessed me with um, just a way. Um, it reminds me a lot of Proverbs 29:18, where there is no vision, the people will perish. Um, before this class, I had no financial vision at all whatsoever. It was living paycheck to paycheck, and if you had a little bit left over, just spend it, you know, reward yourself. I'm not understanding that you have so much more to give um, than the little bit of what you're left with. Um, so it's blessed me not only with financial peace and wisdom for my family, but that to um, lead the, the older kids into their adulthood and change my little ones' lives. Thanks for sharing that. And I just have to say, too, I've watched you since you started this class, and She's been like the, <laughs> I would say the MVP, but she literally, like, she has done some amazing things through this class. I think, like, week one or two was, like, you know, find these other sources of income. And because she's, she's currently um, kind of one of those people who got laid off during COVID because her restaurant had to shut down. And so she had a job, and now she doesn't because of that. And, and so she had to find other sources of income. She does not have a spouse. To, she, there's not money coming in from any other source. And so she literally had sold things on Facebook Marketplace, like probably 700 or more dollars worth of stuff. We ended at 11 Over $1,100 worth of stuff she's sold to just help pay rent and um, pay her bills. And so like, we're super proud of you. And then 
even saving money on top of that, like saving thousands, a couple thousand dollars on top of that. And that's... So I'm just, you can see why I'm like super proud of both of these ladies. Um, is there just any last thoughts or anything either one of you want to share that you forgot? Or, <laughs> But <clears throat> as we finish up here, like I would just, I would love to pray for both of you and just pray for how we can kind of continue this good thing that God is doing. So let's pray. Um, Father, Lord, I just, I thank you for your word. I thank you for um, just giving us clear direction as your people as to what pleases you. And you say what pleases you is caring for the widows and fatherless, caring for the poor. Um, Lord, when we do that, um, we just, we feel your peace. We feel your blessing. We feel, um, we feel that intimacy with you because that's how you designed us. That's how you designed us to have the greatest happiness is when we give. And Lord, I thank you for Sunrise, for the, the spirit of giving here that has resulted in the food pantry and the hygiene pantry and um, just the generosity toward our ministry from the church and even individuals within the church. Lord, I thank you for that. Um, Lord, at the same time, I just, sometimes my heart is heavy for um, just looking at the wealth in this community as a whole in Hudsonville and Jenison and myself working with so many families like these who are struggling and who are hurting and um, just need financial help and need people to come alongside them, Lord. And I, I just pray as a church, as the bigger church in this community, as the body of believers, that, that we would um, just go above and beyond and, and actually give until it hurts sometimes. Lord, I know a lot of us give out of our excess and we give out of kind of even some what's left over, but I pray that you would um, challenge us to to give in places where it hurts, whether it's our time, whether it's our money, that, that it would actually cost us something, Lord, that we would um, see these families and be intentional about making sure that they were taken care of and they are taken care of, whether it's just that their kids need dads to invest in them or if it's... Um, financial help with with rent or cars or just whatever it is, Lord. I pray that you would um, prompt us for the specific ways that you've gifted each of us um, and the ways that you've blessed each of us to be a blessing. Lord, I I just ask that you would um, just continue to work in this community to um, help us look more like you um, by helping us just learn to to share in your sufferings, to, to do things that cost us. And, Lord, that's when we're going to become the church that's going to draw people to you. Thank you for who you are, and thank you for all that you're doing in the lives of Brittany and Brandy. And I just pray that you will bless them just beyond measure for their faithfulness and for their, their sacrifice and just for the ways that they, um, they're sharing and making, um, making you look great. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for sharing. Y'all going to make me cry this morning with your songs and your testimonies. Thank you so much. I was really counting on this transition being um, kind of awkward. Oh, thank you, Grandma. My mask. My grandmother is here. Um, I was counting on this transition being awkward uh, with the chairs coming off and now the mask and fixing my microphone uh, because the awkwardness of it along with me over-explaining it uh, is a really great way to break the ice. 
My name is Noah. I'm a student over at Calvin Theological Seminary. Um, <clears throat> I'm joined here by my wife, Julie. We've been coming here about six months since, uh, since she started working as our ministry assistant. We also have our perfect daughter, Aletheia, in nursery today. Um, <clears throat> today we're continuing our sermon series on the kingdom of God. Just a few weeks ago here at Sunrise, we celebrated, uh, along with all the other Christians on the face of the earth, a holiday called Easter. This is when we recognize the second member of the Trinity, Jesus, fully God and fully man, who lived a perfect life and then died on a cross as an atonement for our sins. That death wasn't the end of the story, however. Uh, just a few days later, he rose again from the dead, and this is what we celebrated. That death wasn't the end. In fact, it was only a beginning. See, with his resurrection, he inaugurated, he established and began his kingdom, the kingdom of God. And although that kingdom is already established, it is not yet fully realized. This is a concept in Reformed theology that we call the already not yet. We're good at naming things. And so this kingdom is already established. We can almost think of it like a, a sort of parallel reality, right? If you have the present age, you have the kingdom of God overlaid on top of it in many ways. And at times we can actually see the kingdom of God breaking through into the present age. One of these places is miracles. When Jesus performs a miracle in the Gospels, that's the power of God on full display, the kingdom of God. It's not only in the miraculous, however, we also see the kingdom in Jesus' interactions with other people. You see, when he interacts with them, he, he takes all of these things, uh, socioeconomic status, uh, race, gender, all of these things that the present age uses, uses to define us and to assess our worth. He takes all of those things and he sets them aside. And instead, he chooses to see people for who they are, image bearers of God. He sets a pattern of dignifying the marginalized, those people whose society has chewed up and spit back out. We also see the kingdom of God not in Scripture, but also outside of it, in moments like this morning, here at church. And already here at church is kind of a deceptive phrase because that implies that church is a place. And of course, you may have heard that the church is not a place, it's a people. Those of us gathered here today, those of us joining online, those of us worshiping God across the face of the globe this morning, we are the church, the body of Christ, his hands and his feet on the earth. And as Christ's body, we ideally follow his example. So if we're doing it right, as we gather in this space this morning, we also set aside our socioeconomic differences and our racial differences and our gender differences. Not because those things aren't important in some ways or because they don't inform our understanding and our experience, but because those things don't define our worth. Instead, we come together in this microcosm, this miniature version of the kingdom, and we see each other as image bearers of God, and then we go out into the week, into the world, and we witness to that kingdom yet to come. This morning, we're going to learn a bit more about 
the kingdom in Matthew chapter 20. But before we get there, I'd like to give us a little bit of context because, as I said last time I preached, a text without context is a pretext for trouble. So it's important for us to look both before and after our parable to better understand what Jesus is teaching us. So before Matthew 20, we find Matthew 19. Jesus is walking and teaching his disciples when a young man approaches him. It says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And we could word this another way for our purposes this morning. Jesus, what does life look like in the kingdom? How should we live in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, well, look to Scripture. Follow the commandments which God has given you. Do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not um, bear false witness against your neighbor, honor your father and mother. It's interesting that he puts that one in there, and then he ties it all up with a nice bow. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man goes, that's great, Jesus. That's great, good teaching, but I already do that. I've already done all of those things. I follow those commandments. Is there anything else? And Jesus says, if you would be perfect. And elsewhere, Jesus does tell his followers, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. It's a big standard. He says, if you would be perfect, go sell all of your possessions and give to the poor, and you will store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Jesus is illustrating here that uh, the kingdom of God and the present age are fundamentally different. And not only different, but they are fundamentally opposed to one another. So those things in the present age that we use to define each other's value, such as monetary wealth, it doesn't have any benefit in the kingdom. In fact, Jesus says it would be better for you to be poor. Sell all of your possessions. Earlier in the book of Matthew, in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus starts by saying, blessed are the poor. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. After hearing this, the young man goes away sad. For the text says he had great possessions. He doesn't go away happy because he knows that what Jesus has asked him to do is simple and easy. No, he goes away sad because he knows that his attachment to his earthly possessions is too great for him to give up. Jesus highlights the impossibility of the task. He turns to his disciples and he says, It would be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle, he's speaking literally, than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. The disciples are shocked by this. They're they're blown away. Jesus, this is a hard teaching. Because sure, that rich guy, he's a camel, you know, big hump with fur. You know what camels are. He's huge. But proportionately, I have some things, right? I still have a few possessions. We could think about this here in America today. Even uh, the poorest in our society tend to have a quality of life higher than those in maybe third world countries, living on less than a dollar a day. So, so globally and historically, comparatively, Jesus, we still have some possessions. So if he's a camel, then I'm at least like a mouse, right? I mean, Jesus, even a housefly couldn't fit through the eye of a needle. This is a hard teaching. Who can be saved? 
And again, Jesus highlights the difference between the kingdom and the present age. He says, with humans in the present age, this is impossible. But get out of that present age mindset, because with God, all things are possible. With God, grace is big enough to cover anyone. With God, grace can cover even the rich young man. And I've walked through the second half of Matthew 19 here, almost verse by verse, uh, to show you all the twists and turns of the conversation that lead us to Peter's question. Peter is the oldest of Jesus' disciples, and he looks at Jesus, he says, wow, that's great news. Grace can cover even that rich man. But what's in it for me? What's in it for us, Jesus? Because if grace can cover even that rich person, well, we gave up everything for you. Didn't I leave my boat behind for you? Didn't I leave my family business? Didn't we sell some of our possessions to follow you? Jesus, what's our bonus? What is our extra reward? And that is what leads directly into the parable which Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. At the end of 19, he says, There are many who are first that will be last, and many that are last who will be first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, that's a day's wages, he sent them into his vineyard and going out, About the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, that's five in the afternoon, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because nobody hired us. Sir, it wasn't for lack of trying. We haven't been just twiddling our thumbs all day. We wanted to work, but nobody would hire us. Nobody wanted us. By the standards of the present age, we have been rejected. And he said to them, You go into my vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last and up to the first. And when those hired, the eleventh hour came, they only worked for an hour, each of them received a denarius, a full day's wages. Now when those hired first came, They thought they would receive more. This is Peter's question. Jesus, that's really great that grace is big enough for the rich man to get in, but I worked all day long. What do I get? But each of them also received a denarius, a day's wages. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. 
I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus tells this parable as a direct response to Peter's question. And I think Peter's question is one that we often sometimes ask of Jesus as well. Jesus, didn't I give up everything for you? Didn't I give up economic opportunities for you? Jesus, I brought a tithe every week. Doesn't that count for something? Didn't I give up social status for you? You know, one time I saw someone getting bullied and and I came to their defense, but now I get bullied too. Doesn't that count for something? Jesus, if grace is big enough for anyone to get in, for the the drug dealers, the prostitutes, the rich, the poor, uh, the people who say bad words or cut me off in traffic, Jesus, if grace is big enough for all of those people who haven't done any of the work, then what do I get? I've been working all day. This is a present age mindset. We're still stuck in the values of the present age. And we aren't the only ones. See, directly after our parable, uh, we have some more context to look at. In verse 17, Jesus predicts his death for a third time, and we're going to get back to this in a moment. But first, I want to jump ahead to verse 20. The mother of the sons of Zebedee approaches Jesus, and she says, Jesus, grant that in your kingdom, the one we've been talking about, you know, at the fullness of time when the kingdom is fully realized, when you sit on your glorious throne, Jesus, grant that one of my sons would sit on your right hand and one of my sons would sit at your left. Both positions of power and authority, right? Where you're, you have proximity to Jesus, you can lean in and whisper advice in his ear. This is still a present age mindset. Uh, Jesus, make me greater than the others. And we get this line from Jesus. It's one of my favorites in the New Testament. He looks at the disciples and he says, you don't get it, do you? You don't understand what you are asking me. Weren't you listening? Disciples, weren't you listening when I spoke to that rich young man? He went away sad, but I said grace was big enough to cover even him because there are many who are first will be last and last will be first. Weren't you listening? Disciples, weren't you listening when I told you that cool story about the master of the house who hires even the people that society has chewed up and spit out? That grace is big enough for them too. Weren't you listening? In fact, they're all equal. Disciples, weren't you listening just a few verses ago when I told you I came here to die? I came here with the sole purpose of being crucified, a painful and humiliating death. Can you drink my cup? Can you drink the cup which in the garden of Gethsemane I prayed to the Father? I was, I was anxious to the point of death. I was sweating drops of blood and I prayed to the Father, Father, take this cup from me, this cup of your wrath. It runneth over. Can you drink it? Because that's what my kingdom looks like. Just a few verses ago in verse 17, Jesus again predicts his death. He says, I'm going to be arrested by the chief priests and I'm going to be beaten and flogged and mocked. Can you imagine mocking God? 
and I'm going to be crucified. Again, a painful and humiliating death. There is a uh, German philosopher by the name of Friedrich Nietzsche, or Nietzsche, depending who you talk to. I'll probably say it both ways. But Nietzsche's entire life ethic, his entire philosophy, uh, his understanding of the ideal person was built around this idea of a, an Ubermensch, which is German for Superman. Right? And this Superman could impose his will on other people, often through brute strength. He was stronger, and so he could, he could reach out and he could take what belonged to him. But even better than that, he could reach out and he could take what belonged to other people too, and there's nothing they could do about it because he was stronger and better. And in Nietzsche's eyes, that was the ideal person, the one that we should all strive to be. And Nietzsche was disgusted by Jesus. He was disgusted that billions of people would follow such an example of pathetic weakness. Jesus, you came and you submitted to the will of the Father? Jesus, you, you submitted to Roman authorities? You submitted even to the point of a death on a cross? That's pathetic. And these views seem pretty extreme, but when we examine the values of our present age, then they sound kind of similar. A few weeks ago, Dan Fisher showed us the Hello USA website. It's a website for immigrants so they can acquaint themselves with American society. And there's a values page. You can click on and read what does America value. And one of those is hard work. And not just hard work that dignifies you, like biblical hard work. No, the hard work uh, where you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You work hard so you can get that raise. You work hard so you can get that promotion. You work hard so you can be employee of the month and have that status and people will look up to you. You work hard so that you can reach out and take what belongs to you. And maybe even reach out and take what belongs to other people too. Further down on that page, there's the value of consumerism. This is on the website and it says we like to own things. We like to buy things. We like to have things. And then we like to show other people these things. Right? We, we like to have a, a big TV and a, a nice house and a fancy car. And we like to show everybody else, look at my cool things. I'm better than you. I worked harder. I reached out. I took what was mine. These are the values of the present age. And they run against the grain of the values of the kingdom of God. Jesus asks if they can drink his cup. Can you live in the kingdom? He says, you're going to suffer on my behalf, uh, but remember those Gentiles, which literally means people who are not Jewish, but for our purposes, we can consider it non-believers, those people who don't have the kingdom of God in mind. Those Gentiles, they lord their authority over each other. They rule over one another, but not so with you. That's not how it's going to be in my kingdom. In fact, in my kingdom, whoever would be great must become a servant. And whoever would be first must be a slave. Why? Because the perfect example of kingdom life, the Son of Man himself came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
The values of the kingdom run against the grain of the present age, inverting our expectations. Where am I going with all of this? What's the point? The point of this sermon and of any sermon can't be do better, be better, right? Uh, I've told you about these kingdom values and now you need to work really hard to live them well, right? That's still valuing the present age. No, instead we need to learn to submit and surrender. We need to look to the rich young man and see that grace is big enough even for him. And especially, most importantly, we need to look at our parable in Matthew 20. The the master goes out into the marketplace, and he calls people. And if you're here this morning, or you're joining us online, if you're hearing these words, then whether you realized it or not, you heard the master's call on your life. And no matter who you are, regardless of your economic status, your race, your gender, no matter how far away you might feel from grace. The master has invited you into this space, this microcosm of the kingdom, into his vineyard. And he will pay you your full wages of grace. People of God, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. You have been so gracious to us and so generous to us. You are so kind. And you have invited us into this space to worship you, to gather together and see each other as human beings. God, I pray we would submit to you, that we would receive our wages. And then as we go out into the world that values other things, I pray that we could witness to your kingdom, that we could learn to dignify the marginalized and that we could learn to accept your love and show it to others. God, we love you, and we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Noah. We're going to continue uh, in worship by singing, but also using this time to give of our tithes and offerings. Um, Like I've said in previous weeks, we're not going to have ushers come and pass buckets, but um, a few would like to give, you can give online by scanning that QR code in front of you, or even during the song if you would like to, or after the service, um, drop your offering off in the bucket that's um, back by the table in the back. Uh, but we're going to continue in worship and use this time to worship and to give and um, to just help transform the world with God's grace and love through giving to Sunrise so we can support things like single parent missions that we heard from this morning and um, other ministries that were that are ongoing, like the hygiene pantry and the food pantry that it had last summer. So let's give and let's worship. Let's sing together.
people of God, receive God's parting blessing as you go. As you go, may the love of God our Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and stay with you always. Go in peace.